Thank you, Chloe of Scratchy Blanket, for that fantastic pro wrestling theme song for my new heel character, Reese Ten Count. Because I'd lose every match by leaving the ring and running away from my much larger and stronger opponents. Hi, welcome to Dashing Agent, the podcast. I'm Reese Hayes, and if you don't know who I am, you're more than likely listening to the wrong podcast. What's up, Mom? I'm sorry for not calling you on Mother's Day. I love you. This is the show where I talk to my friends about movies. Making movies, watching movies, acting in movies, but not making money from making movies. There are better podcasts out there if that's where your interests lie. On this inaugural episode of Dashing Agent, the podcast, I sat down and chatted with my buddy Dan Helbling about directing his very first feature film, That's Amore. We discuss when the moon hits your eye, when the world seems to shine, bells ring tingling, all sorts of stuff. It was a really great conversation. You might recognize Dan from such classics as the anti-romantic comedy series Half Bath, or maybe the stoner mystery series Cobblestone, or maybe just from being friends with him because he's a really sweet guy, and I suspect the reason you're listening to this is because he sent you here. But first, some self-promotion. Remember just a moment ago when I was introducing today's guests and said he may be recognized from such classics as the anti-romantic comedy series Half Bath, or maybe the stoner mystery series Cobblestone? Those are things we've made that you can watch right now. Half Bath is a web series about a young couple looking for a new apartment, starring the already mentioned Dan Helbling, alongside the very talented Olivia Vadney, the very tall Eric Rigby, and the very George Stanton Eric Swader. Cobblestone is also a web series starring me. And also Dan Helbling, Eric Rigby, and Eric Swader. We're still working on that one, but Cobblestone 3 is out now and ready to be laughed at. Because it's a comedy, not because it's bad. Anyway, watch all of those things at DashingAgent.com. It would really mean a lot to my self-esteem. Okay, here's Dan. Cheers. Cheers. Well. Now cheers. There you go. Cheers. All right. Mm, East End. Um, welcome to the show, buddy. Thank you. Thank so, you for having yeah, me. So, yeah, what other podcasts have you done? Uh, have I been on? Yeah. None. I've never been on another podcast, but I've had my own. Tell me about that. It was called the uh, Deep Shit Podcast, and the premise of it was we would come to the podcast with odd questions or just large large questions that make you think and make you want to keep talking about it, like Aliens or Bigfoot or um, what was one of them? Uh, do soulmates exist? Questions like that. Um, and that was myself and Alden's podcast. How many, what did y'all do? Like how many episodes did y'all do? Six or seven, I think. And you didn't release them? No, they, they were up. Oh. <laughs> that was before I knew you, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah. That was before I, I knew you or Eric or, uh, yeah, that side of my friends. I, I lied. I was actually on another podcast. I was on, Mark had a podcast. He did like, uh, you'd really like his podcast. He did 12 or so episodes. It was movies you should watch before you die. That was the name of the oh, podcast. Cool. Yeah, it was really good. We did. Uh, I did V for Vendetta, Five Hundred Days of Summer. That might have been the only ones that I did. Those are good flicks. Yeah, like both of those. So what are we talking about today? We're talking about directing your first feature. That's the whole episode. That's that's what it, that's like the marquee topic that I wanted to talk to you okay, about. Cool. But yeah, I wanted to. I don't know a whole lot of people who have directed a feature, and you have one under your belt, almost two, but. The other one's a documentary. Yeah, the other one's a doc. It's not really a lot of directing involved in that one. Yeah. But, uh, I don't know, start from the beginning. How did that all come about? Start from the beginning. Oh, my gosh. Um, so, I was approached by a mutual friend of ours, Damon. Damon Long. Um, I've actually only met Damon once at your uh, your rugby game that oh, yeah. <laughs> Eric and I went to. Yep. Uh, 
he was very sweaty mm-hmm. and in a hurry to leave. So I didn't get to interact with Damon too much, but but I like I like Damon from what I see of his work and uh, his Instagram. He reached out to me um, because at the at that time he was approached by an old actor, not an old actor, but an actor that was in an older project of Damon's, um, Joe Joe Puglusi, and. He, he, him and his friend Dave wanted to start uh, they've been writing a script for a year or so at that time and they wanted to uh, put together a team to film the, the movie to bring it to life bring that script to life and they reached out to Damon and asked him if he, they, he knew any directors um, that he thought would be a good fit for the um, movie and I went through a whole interview process with them, sat down with them, told them my ideas. I was reading the script while I was flying around the country and shooting stuff on my own, which was really weird to do. That must have felt like like you had already made it. Yeah. Like you're, you're reading the script. <laughs> it's like, hey, we want you to maybe direct this. And then you're like flying, flying to what? Like the uh, the Caribbean to, yeah, to, to like shoot s- travel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. St. Croix or Fort Lauderdale. Yeah. Um, it felt like that, but like yeah, I was nowhere near, <laughs> nowhere near what it actually was. Um, so there was a whole interview process with them and it just finally got whittled down to a couple directors and, um, they had one last meeting and they wanted to hear more. Sorry, that's my dog. No, that's a, he has a toy. Hey, um, and they whittled it down to the last couple, uh, directors and, uh, they, they ended up going with me. It was a pretty cool. That's feeling. a weird choice. Uh, yeah, I, they they messed up. I'm not gonna lie. So what was what was that interview process like? Like, what did you, how did you pitch them? Um, so the movie the movie's a romantic comedy that has a lot of Italian culture within it. Um, and my mom's side of the family is Italian, so I kind of understood a lot of the little nuances that they had in the script because there was a ton. There was a lot of like just little things that other people that read the script did not pick up on a lot. A lot of them didn't really understand it. Um, and that was something that deterred uh, those two from the dir- a director was not understanding the scripts, just the scripts culture and the scripts feel. Um, and I remember that was like a big point that I kept bringing up was like, I understood this, this was funny because of this. And even just pitching like little character ideas, like how the Italian grandmother acts. Like I had an Italian grandmother and I, I saw that within, um, the character Rosa was just like my grandma. And like, I kept telling them like little things that I thought of because of that. <laughs> uh, Toby, you're making this podcast. Toby so is making fun. this. He's making it difficult. I'm just imagining what everyone's imagining is going on right now. Oh yeah. I don't really know what they can hear. I can paint a word picture. Toby is a, uh, border collie, uh, Springer Spaniel mix he just knocked over a vacuum um and he's just bouncing up and down in the kitchen with a red ball trying to get us to throw it into my living room toby's jumping skills are also great his jumping and catching skills are pretty on point his not barking at people it's not that's not on point yeah but it's okay what do you, what would you say are toby's biggest faults faults yeah like what, what like okay so obviously toby's a great dog you love him a lot yes but, you know, every dog has some things you're like, why do you do that? Why are you the way that you are? Uh, That's actually great. That was totally unintentional. But that worked that out was, oh, Whoa, that was an office quote. Yeah. Wow, that was really and good. And it was to Toby. Wow, yeah, that was good. All right. 
uh, his I would say his biggest fault is he just he can't be at home alone without destroying something. So I have to crate him. Um, but that'll that'll, that'll change thing. with age though. Yeah, because he's still a puppy. Like he's still how old is he? A little over two. Oh, okay. And they have like an age range of like thirteen to fifteen years. Yeah. So he's still a pretty puppy. Huh, boy. Huh, boy. When uh, I adopted Atticus when he was two and a half, according to his dental records, they don't really know because they found him on the side of the street. But um, he had this problem where anytime, mostly I would come home, but sometimes it, it just didn't matter. If someone walked through the door, he would get really excited mm-hmm. and just start peeing. Yeah. And he would, he peed on my leg so many times for like the first two years that we had him and i just got used to it but other people didn't so (laughs) like i would get home i would just accept that he was gonna piss on my shoe or on my feet and uh, or my leg or whatever and and then i would go wipe it off and be fine like that's my dog who cares but that was that was a tough hurdle to get over yeah but he doesn't do that anymore so much that's good yeah he's also a little older so he is yeah seven or six or seven year old he just he would have just turned eight oh wow like in january okay yeah, I'm looking forward to that. They were really specific with his age. They were like, he's two years, two weeks old. And I'm like, oh, okay. Where did you adopt him from? The Humane Rescue. In so do they, do they do like, do they know that from dental records? Or what, did the person who like brought him in? I don't know. Or, I um, just saw it on the, his, uh, the rabies vaccine thing. Gotcha. That's just where they listed it. And I was like, oh, okay. Gotcha. What a good find. Yeah. He's a good find. Huh. Adopt, don't buy. Yeah. Adopt, don't shop. That's a much better phrase. Because that's the phrase. <laughs> what I just said. What were you going to ask me? You got the job. I got the job. You got the job. What? So these, these uh, Joe and, and Dave. Joe and Dave. Joe and Dave were the two actors who wrote it? Joe and Dave are the, yeah, they're the writers and um, uh, they, they were lead lead male and lead supporting male. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then you had Damon producing it. So how much creative control did you have with... The casting, the locations, uh, the script. Did, were there any changes that you made, or was the script pretty much locked in when you came on? Board? No, no. They, they, Dave and Joe were very willing to hear thoughts. They wanted, they wanted to hear my thoughts. They wanted to hear my perspective. They, they were very respectful of m- me as the director and and the, my position and what that kind of meant. Um, and so, any suggestions that I made, they they took it. They didn't just necessarily go ahead and make the change, but like, as long as I backed it up and explained it, and they kind of saw they agreed or thought that it was maybe a better idea than they had, um, they would make the change, which was really nice. Like I didn't just come into like this cement wall that I couldn't pass. Like I wasn't yeah. just waiting to be like, okay, in action. Okay, cut. You said the lines. Cool. You weren't a TV director. <laughs> no, no, that's not at all how it went. Um, and as far as like locations, locations, we I feel like I kind of made some sacrifices, which. That happens in the creative process. You kind of have to. Because like, it was a battle of... Budgetary reasons or... Budgetary reasons. Having complete control of a location as opposed to getting a location for maybe six hours. Sure. You know? So like we, it's, you got you to gotta like figure out which one is best for the crew in the movie. Um, and ultimately, I would lean towards complete control um, and not... Even if it's not ideal for the shoot itself. Just because... We can rely on our art director. We can rely on our DP. We can rely on our sound guys. We can rely on these people that are going to be able to transform whatever place you're in to be the place that you need it to be. Yeah. Um, 
But we're lucky because a, a, a good portion of the film was shot in a dentist office, and Dave is now a retired dentist who just sold his practice, so we just had complete access to his uh, old practice. We we shot in um, Pascalino's in Murraysville, and they they're, they're a huge restaurant, very Italian restaurant as well. It's modern looking, um, but we shot in this back room where they would have like buffets and cater parties. So like there was these double doors that they would close so that the restaurant was still operating. So they were still making money while we were uh, hashtag East End. We're still filming in the back uh, area. Did y'all have problems with sound and stuff with that? I didn't personally, just because I knew that was the foley we were going to be putting back in, and it was just a murmur. Um, there was sometimes that we had to like tell them to shut the overhead music off in our back areas, but that was really it. Yeah, so not I, really. I mean, I don't know if you remember. I'm sure you do. And. Uh, half bath chapter three when we shot it at murphy's <laughs> it was we started at what like we started at like eight in the morning yeah, i think we started pretty early we but, didn't get to like six yeah but by like 1 30 in the afternoon the place was packed up front like we were shooting in that in that back area and they had that they just reserved that for us but the the bar bar area <laughs> i could it was yeah. like i don't i think it was a thursday i don't mm-hmm. and it was like 1 30 it was packed in there mm-hmm. And it was so loud. It, they were ridiculously loud. And it was fine. I mean, yeah. it worked out. It was just a bunch of chuckleheads up there. But it like was being noisy. Yeah, it was so funny. I was like, why don't you all have jobs? Like, what are you doing at 1.30 in the are afternoon at Murphy's? Yeah. But it worked out. So mm-hmm. I could imagine that. I just figured that that might have been uh, a struggle. No, and it's it's very odd. Like, once you do realize that... This is really weird to talk about. But... It's really odd once you realize that all the problems you have on a short film set is the exact same problems that I had on the feature film set. And then as I was shooting that, I was also listening to some film podcasts. And I was listening to the director who just did uh, the new superhero movie with Zach Zachary Levi. Oh, Shazam. Shazam. Yeah. I was listening to that director and he like... what's I just know him by his Twitter handle. It's Pony Smasher. What's, what's I, his name? I, I can't remember. Shit. It's David Sandberg. Dummies. One of the issues that he described was you should go listen to the whole story. But one of the things that kept happening was this on his suit, on his chest, where that the Shazam symbol is. There was a shot where he was walking out of smoke, and they wanted that to like light up as he was like walking out of the smoke. And he's like, he's like, we did that shot a million times. He's like, we shot that so many times, and the the light just kept going out. And he was like, and 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 he just kept like describing how like in the middle of the take it would like shut off. And, like, Zach wouldn't really know, so he couldn't, like, react to it or something. Um, so he couldn't, like, play it off as, like, do, like, do, like, some improv with it. So, like, he was, like, we just had to, like, keep shooting it over and over. And, like, that's, like, a situation where it's, why don't we, why didn't we just do those visual effects? Or, like, why is this, why is this just not working? He just, like, was talking about this problem that we've all experienced in one facet or another on a shoot where something isn't working as you're trying to shoot. And it's, like, usually it's my sound mixer. Sometimes, usually, it's sound more than often. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but when I heard him say that, that like put it into perspective, like there's problems literally on every set. Yep. And like, I had a couple hard days on that set for sure. And it was just like thinking about like, okay, they shot, they shot Shazam in like 60 days. A lot of those days having like day crew, night crews. So it was constantly shooting and they shot Shazam in 60 days. And I had 17 days to shoot this feature. So like after, after I kept hearing that, I'm like, there's like certain things that have to be sacrificed there's certain things that have to be sacrificed in the making of a movie, especially in indie, like especially that low yeah. budget. The it was it was literally called an ultra low budget through like SAG 
standards, yeah. 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 I mean, as they say, mo money, mo problems, you know? Yeah, and when there's less money, there's still, there's still so problems. many problems. Yeah. Cobblestone has been such a blessing because we specifically try to spend no money on it, which doesn't always work. I think we've spent in total like less than two hundred dollars on the three episodes that we've shot so far. Yeah, we I bought the most expensive things were the antlers and then the 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 hoof in episode two when it uh in like that dream sequence yeah. i bought i also bought that i bought both of those items on etsy uh <laughs> and i really i didn't know what i got myself into when i bought that hoof because when i open it out of the package it's just a real someone like chopped off a deer leg <laughs> And sent it to me in a box wrapped in, <laughs> in like, Walmart shopping bags. Like, yeah. it's so gross. And I, like, don't want it anymore. And I spent, like, $30 on it. Yeah. Eric bought a bunch of flasks that we've been using. That's funny. Yeah. Well, he just bought, like, six, like, a box of six flasks. Yeah. Because uh, in Cobblestone 3, we have this whole gag with a bunch of flasks. And then, like, other than that, like, you know, we shoot in my apartment or in Frick Park. And, uh. You eat before and after. We eat, that is actually yeah. So if we if we count the hot dogs that we eat, not if you're buying them on your own. Well, we buy like you know when when you shoot with us, we buy your hot dog. We okay. That's so true. we shot we shot this past weekend. We shot we finished shooting Cobblestone three mostly. Uh, we shot with Eric Swader on Saturday, and then we shot with uh, Kushner shot for us on on Sunday, which was nice because you know Cobblestone rarely looks good. Uh, but <laughs> he did yeah he made it he looks beautiful now but uh so both times when we were done we went to d's and got hot dogs yeah. and you know we we pay for their their dogs and beers because that's a you know they're helping us out for free yeah so i guess if we count put that into the budget then we've spent significantly more <laughs> money but i don't count that because that's just like you know it's hot dogs well uh, i think i was getting at that when we have no money it's really freeing because we're just there's nothing to worry about i think on half bath i i spent a, like a lot of my own money on it and it really made me anxious like if this sucks i just wasted all of this money but with cobblestone it's like if this sucks no one's gonna care like i don't care and no one else cares yeah. and so far it hasn't sucked but you no. haven't seen cobblestone three yet no but i've seen one and two and they're both great thanks buddy oh yeah love them both I don't think we said the name of the movie. The movie is called That's Amore. That's Amore. That's the working title. I think right. it. Yeah, I think it'll still end up that way. We're having. We're actually doing something pretty cool. Is uh, Joe, uh, the executive producer and writer and actor, uh, is a marketing professor at La Roche, and so he has a lot of students that are learning how to, you know, just learning about marketing. And so one of the things that he's going to be doing this up this I think this semester is there he's teaching people how to put together a film package and we're like we're letting students do it practically with our movie. That's naughty. You're just going to take the best one and use it. No, they're doing it collectively. <laughs> oh. Okay. Yeah, so like they're doing a lot of like making So instead PR of getting, yeah, and, so you're just going to get a bunch of students to do y'all's marketing thing for you. Yeah, but like we're also like letting students do it. So it's not like we're like getting yeah, we're not we're not getting like excellent free work. You know, we're like I think it's really cool because we have like a, a a someone who's in school for graphic design designing our art, designing our posters, designing like uh, our like logo that like goes in like Facebook profile pictures like that. Like that's I, I think that that's really cool. The only thing I've been doing is been working with Alden on edits. So and we'll get to that. 
But first, a word from our sponsor. <laughs> what was the biggest challenge in during production? 17 days. Having 17 days to shoot. Too short? Yeah, because we're like, I would say on average we shot five, five or six pages a day. That would be what our average was. Yeah. Was that a dialogue heavy script or was there? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of dialogue. And the dialogue wasn't even like the hardest part. Like action was definitely the hardest, like blocking stuff out. Our lead is Tammy Pascatelli. Was she fun to work with? She was a lot of fun to work with. She was really funny. She brought a lot of life to the character and uh, brought a lot of good ideas to the character. Like my favorite thing about her was the first thing she did was she pulled me aside on set and she's like, she's like, I'm talking to you. I'm listening to you. And that's it. She's like, that's how this is going to go. And I was like, great. That's really nice as a first time director, I'm sure. Because, I mean, with her, I know that, that Joe and Dave aren't like established actors necessarily. But, yeah, I mean, she's, I mean, what? She filmed a Netflix special. Yeah, she's, she? Uh, she has two Netflix specials now. Um, she's been, I'm pretty sure she's been like on nationally, like national talk shows performing. She, she's she got a really great career. She's had a TV show they shot in her own house. Like she's. She's been doing pretty well. I'm like, I, I feel very honored that she was a part of the project. Yeah, that's cool. How'd y'all get her? Uh, Dave reached out to her. I don't know how they knew her, but Dave just like reached out to her and she was very excited about the project because she has a huge Italian, <laughs> she has a huge Italian um, back, like backstory and like her whole family was Italian. So she knows the culture as well. How is it like being the boss of these people who you've worked with many times before, but mostly in like small scale sort of indie or maybe student films. What was it like actually, um, you know, you're employing these people so you can tell them what to do because I feel like with a lot of my things, I'm like, Hey, here are my ideas, but I'm not paying you. So if you have ideas, let's hear them. What, what was that like? What was, what was, I guess what I'm asking is how was it like to direct people that were your friends? (laughs) uh i don't know it was kind of no different because the the reason that they that that joe and dave went after damon was because they liked the level of professionalism and collaboration at point park that they showed at point park and it just kind of carried over to this like everybody had a job to do everybody was getting paid and they knew like whatever i said if if it came from me it was happening but if like ralph would come to me or dp if ralph came to me and like told me his ideas, like we would talk about it and then make it happen. So I, I definitely don't think that whatever I say is the end all be all, but if I say it to somebody, it generally should be happening. Um, but that doesn't mean I, I like collaboration. So like Brian Shukert was our, uh, boom and he approached me with a bunch of ideas as the shoot was going on, just as, I don't know, little character notes or blocking notes. The best part about that was he came directly to me. So there was no like cross contamination of who's telling actors what to do or who's telling Ralph what to do. Yeah. I mean, that, that would be disastrous if you have the boom operator. I mean, Brian's a talented director in his own right, but still the boom operator shouldn't be directing the actors. Not at all. So that's good that he had that, uh, uh, film etiquette. Yeah. He had the wherewithal to talk to the director and that's because he knows what being a director is. Um, But that goes for everybody on the set. Like everybody knew their position and their role and they knew when to speak up. Um, But everyone, everyone contributed like creatively. I love that y'all made uh, an ultra low budget movie, but you 
hired people that you went to school with and have worked before. You hired local people to do it. And it's good. I wish that more people were making independent movies with some sort of a real budget uh, just so that they can kind of spread that around to the other talented people in this community. Because I know a lot of people try to make movies for no money and ask people, especially sound people, to work for free. Or, I mean, I've gotten, I, you know, I've done this too. It's but. a pain to do stuff like that. It is a pain to ask people to do stuff for free. It's also a pain to have money to make something that's not for free. Yeah. I really like that a, a large percentage of, of the Point Park graduating class of, what year was that? When did you graduate? I graduated in 2016. Okay. The, the group that I was working with was 2017, I think. Oh, really? Yeah, Wait, did you graduate after, like, Kushner and Ballant? When we- yeah, they graduated after me. Oh, okay, okay. Well, that's a very talented class. Mm-hmm. I'm sure your class is also very oh, talented. Yeah. yeah, we got a lot of people doing a lot of stuff. What I like about it is that a lot of those people, yourself included, have stayed in Pittsburgh and continue to work in Pittsburgh. Yeah. And I know that a lot of them are moving out, out west, but, you know, they didn't do that right after graduating. It's yeah. nice to put some of that energy like back into the community yeah Yeah. oh yeah yeah that that's like i pittsburgh has so much potential to be a huge hub for filmmakers creators and and that's that's far beyond just like videos and film there's so much potential here culinary in the arts theater i mean it's just the architecture it's really a beautiful city a funny thing actually a lot of the department heads on mindhunter love Pittsburgh so much that some of them have moved here, like made Pittsburgh their permanent homes. But the fact that those people, these like legitimate Hollywood professionals want to be in Pittsburgh just gives me hope that we've got a real, you know, a real opportunity to, to make, yeah, to make Pittsburgh a hub. Like I think that it could actually work, but people have to stop moving to fucking LA. Stay here. Yeah. Or the work needs to come here. I wish that, there was a bigger independent scene that was actually employing people. I mean, even, I don't know, probably the last four independent movies that have been produced here have been made for no money Mm -hmm. and haven't paid anybody. And that's, that's fine. It's cool that people are doing that. And I really respect that. Uh, But I wish that there was just a slightly bigger, slightly bigger independent scene. And with the talent that's here right now, I think it's totally possible. Yeah, it's definitely possible. Like, I mean, they're, Every single time that they come here, there's a group of people that work on all the features. And there's people that are fighting to be a part of those features. So there's more than enough people to go around at the moment. How's uh, how's Post coming along? Good. Alden Roth is our editor. We finally have gotten through all the dailies, which took forever. But he started cutting scenes now. And I, I got to sit down two or three days ago and watch five or six scenes. He's going to cut the first cut of the movie on his own without any feedback from me. And then from there, it's going to be a lot of like a lot of collaborating and going back and a lot of collaborating, a lot of notes. Are you going to try to be in the room with him? Like, are you going to try to like come up with sessions or do you think where you're both there and doing things? Or do you think you're going to have him do something and then you're going to give notes or come in and and rework those things? It'll be reworking. I don't want to sit there and be over his shoulder. I don't like that. He doesn't like that. Also, that's like a lot of time. That's like real boring. Just sitting there and be like, eh, I need four more frames here. Like, oh God. It is a pain in the ass. Yeah. I shouldn't have to be like, I need four more frames in this shot. Yeah. 
that he's the editor. Like, if I'm like, I need to tell him, like, I don't like the feel of this, or I think that it's too fast, or... Or, like, change this reaction shot, or something. Yeah. yeah, or, like, just be like, I don't want you to cut to this character until this moment, at all. But, like, you figure out how to, like, make that work up till that point. I don't want to be, just be like, okay, and cut, and watch, 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 watch. Ah, cut there. Ah, we got to put an insert in right there. Like, he know, he he's an editor. He knows how to do that. I'm not, I'm not going to, like, be a... I'm not going to have him just push buttons for me. He's smart. He's a good editor. Good. Well, I'm very excited to see it. Mm-hmm. What was the biggest lesson that you learned uh, directing your very first feature? Uh, don't stick to your shot list. I never do. That's good. <laughs> There's like this kind of running joke, I think, with me and Eric that I'll, I will shot list consistently and I lose it or just forget to bring it to Frick Park or wherever every single time. And then I go, all right, well, I'm going to make a new shot list now. Sometimes I remember the shots, Mm -hmm. but usually it's like, you know. Did you storyboard or anything for this? No, I don't storyboard. If if I have a shot list, like, down, I know what those shots look like already. So, And I I get, like, trying to visualize that to, like, my DP. But if I, like, tell, like, my DP, this is what I'm thinking and this is the lens that I was thinking, they generally can get to that point for me. But the reason I say that shot list thing is because I remember I was listening to that exact same podcast with the guy who directed Shazam, and they the only thing that they shot list are their visual effects and making sure that their shots line up to the visual effects that they have to make. Otherwise, he goes into the day and he's like, he'll be there and he'll like be with the script, he'll be with his DP, he'll be with his producer, his ADs. They'll get there early and they'll just like talk about it really quick and be like, these are the things that we have to get in the scene. These are the, these are the important parts of the scene. So this is what we need to get. And ever since I heard that, I'm like, that makes so much sense. Because I was a proponent of making all the shot lists. I was like, oh, yeah. make the shot list and stick to it. I'm not anymore. When we were when you were directing Lost and Found, it was kind of a struggle every night to get you to give me the shot list for the sh- for what we were shooting the next day. Because I had to, like, you know. Make a, make a schedule. Make a schedule and make sure that we could get all those shots. A good AD, yeah. too. Thank you. That was my first like real. I AD'd a little bit in film school before I dropped out. I wasn't giving you a coffee. God damn it! <laughs> that was, that was okay, time. you had you had Damon AD. Tell me no. more. No, no, no. My the other thing that I wanted. You're not a bad AD at all. <laughs> I'm I'm just saying a good AD is n- like a necessity on set. And the biggest thing that you should know if you like ading. And then I'm going to tell you, because I learned this, is an AD is not there to just push a schedule. The AD is the assistant director. They want to get everything that the director wants. And that, that was like the biggest thing that I needed in that, in, 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 my, in that feature was somebody who was by my side that was just saying, like, we, we can get all this. Well, we will make this happen. This is what we needed to do. And if we can't do it, this is how we're going to get it another time. That's the best thing to hear in my ear. If I'm just like stressed out, like I'm like, we're not making our day. Like we're not going to make it. That was another thing I learned. If you got it, you got it. Move on. Don't just sit there and do it over and over. It's that you're just going to waste some time. Yeah. That's something that we, on cobblestone. It's like, if we get it in the first one, we'll generally do two, but no more than two. If we, if we've got it, you know, we're done. Yeah. I, I don't, I'm like not a big believer in the safety take. <laughs> the safety take is never as good as the one that you just know was good. Unless you have like a ridiculous amount of time that day to just play with a take or a, a shot. Mm-hmm. Move on. Like get, Start getting everything you need. It's better to have coverage. Okay. Well, since you brought it up. So you said it was a, a lot of dialogue. Mm-hmm. How I struggle with this. 
even with cobblestone, which is a significant amount of dialogue scenes, um, making the coverage unique and different and interesting just amongst like from scene to scene, you know, like you can't just do medium shots the entire time from the same angle. So how did you approach that? What, what were your thoughts? Like, why did you change things or how did you make things different based on what the scene was about? Okay. Yeah. Alden and I actually just talked about that. Um, because I, I remember I, I complimented him. I gave him a lot of good notes. I gave him all my positive notes whenever he was showing me stuff. And I was like, I really like how this scene progressed. I like how you cut in. And, oh God. He's got a bone now. So I told him I really like how you uh, how you progressed that scene. I really like how you did that. And he's like, well, I didn't really have a choice. I'm like, what? What do you mean? And he's like, it's the way you shot it. And I'm like, oh. And I remembered, because it's been like six months-ish. Actually, he's done. Um, I broke up these scenes into... As things got more intense or the climax of the scene was happening, a lot of the times I just moved the camera closer in. So we went from like medium shots to medium close-ups or we went from medium long shots to uh, close-ups. That like that was the way that I did it. But the for time, I started breaking the scene up. Because like, I knew like at the end of the scene, like maybe we were going to use a wide shot. So at the beginning of the day, I would shoot the beginning of the scene in the wide shot and then be like, all right, guys, this is exactly what we're going to do. We're going to start the scene, go up to this line, take a breath and then do the last couple lines. Can we do that? I like worked with the actors, the talent to make sure that they were comfortable with that and that we could get a good performance out of it. And they did every single time. It was awesome. So that maximized time doing it that way. And then when we would, when we would start shooting like closer in to get some more emotions, it would be, it would be uh, setting the camera up and be like, okay, from this angle, we're going to move in and do uh, the beginning of the scene until this line. And then Alden should know, like, why didn't they shoot the rest of that scene? Why didn't they shoot the rest of that scene? It's because Dan only wanted to show that emotion in that, amu- that amount of time. So it would just be very selective with the shots, but making sure that we still... Holy hell. <laughs> he is just running around with the bone. Um, shot selection was always something that I was really adamant about as a director. Um, and I felt like a lot of people didn't do that in my... Uh, at Point Park, I really felt like a lot of the a lot of the short films at our school um, lacked shot selection, and I think that that oh my god, dude. it's okay. He's giving the podcast some character. Okay, cool. Um, I really felt that that like you made your scenes really stale, and you weren't trying to tell the story visually anymore, and you were just like shooting the the actor saying. <laughs> He's just doing rounds, shooting the talent, just um, saying the lines. And, like, you're not trying to tell the story through the visuals of the camera. So I've always been, like, a – I've always been a stickler for making sure that the shots that you pick are both composed well, but also telling your story. Because, like, the, the, the frame doesn't just hold the talent in. It – it expresses a story while you're also doing that. So um, that was something that I was very, very, very conscious of whenever I was both making my shot list and when we were on set, I was making sure that like, just because it was framed well, that doesn't mean that that's it. We gotta like, we gotta figure out what's supposed to be in that thing. And that doesn't mean you have to shoot the whole scene from that shot. Like yeah. that could just be a couple lines. Yeah, I mean, what you said about about just shooting 
specific coverage for part of the scene is exactly what we do with cobblestone because we don't have the time most of the yeah. ever to do that. So it does make it difficult though. Editing. It's like I I'm editing on set. It's like, okay, well we're doing this shot for this part of the scene and then we're cutting over here and we don't have the rest of the scene from that angle. Yeah. It's always a blessing when you can, can do the amount of coverage that you want through the entire scene but I mean, You're with 17 days, yeah. you don't have that opportunity. Yeah, it's it's nice that I mean, it's cool that you figured that out and just and did that because I'm sure it really helped uh, with the amount of stuff that you could do yeah. by by doing it that way. Yeah, and for about like five of those days, we had <clears throat> we had two um, FS7s, so we were able to double up on shots. So at the exact same time we were shooting somebody's coverage, we'd be doing the medium shot and the medium close up of that person or we'd be doing cross we'd shoot across sure. and we do like two camera setups for two medium shots or two close ups. but mostly you just shot with one camera or yeah. yeah for the majority of the time we had one camera which is like it's nice but it's rare anymore that you see a feature film like a high budget feature film where they shoot it on one camera yeah. they're they're shooting multiple cameras and there's like a reason they do it and if you're doing multiple takes of a dialogue scene with multiple cameras one person might suck one talent might be horrible the entire time, but everybody else nails it, and then vice versa. So like you're covering, you're covering all your angles. Yeah. I wish we had two cameras in cobblestone I because, I mean, it's really funny. I'm not an actor. I'm not a talent, mm -hmm. but I'm trying my best. And I, I've just hearing myself act and, and trying to direct myself, which is difficult for me. Uh, I'm always so much better when the camera's not on me. Mm -hmm. But I feel like if we had two cameras, it yeah. would really alleviate some of the pressure. So I'd be like, well, if I'm not good, like we've still got Eric or uh -huh. we still have you or whatever. You got it. Yeah, that's hard. I don't act. I don't act much ever. Like it's a rare. It's like I, I, I did the, the, the office parody for the ACLU. Um, I did. I, I played a waiter in my feature. And I don't know what else I've acted in that I've also directed. I mean, all throughout high school. I hate it though. I'm not good at it. Yeah, it's rough. I mean, it's what I. It's how I started filmmaking. You know, like it was tough to get my friends in high school to to want to play ridiculous roles. So I would do it, and I a lot of like my really early shorts on my YouTube channel, which you can no longer find. Oh, I watched the Pokemon one. I love that one. Is that one off now? It's unlisted. That oh. was. <laughs> I loved it because I was watching Reese Who on YouTube and I was like, <laughs> the Pokemon one was funny. But yeah, so I would often play all of the characters and uh, and I'm bad, but it, it taught me a lot. You know, it was, it was good to do. But now that I've the past several projects I've done, I, I haven't I haven't acted in them. So going back to that with Cobblestone has been tough. Like, I'm, And it also it's it's really challenging because. Eric is a good actor, but a bad cameraman. But a bad cameraman. He doesn't know yeah. how to use a camera. Yeah. And that's okay. That's it's, not it's, what he knows how to do. The worst part about that is... He's learning, this though. Is yeah. Is that all of my shots are not only poorly acted, but poor, they poorly shot. Yeah. It's like I'm trying to make Reese a minor character. Yeah, it's, it's a double-edged sword, but like in a really bad way. Yeah. It works for the show, though. It's yeah. funny. But yeah, it's it's been tough to... Uh, to get into that, to try to act with those guys, both of the Eric's and even you. And, and I mean, I think Michaela is a better actor than I am most of the time. She's a good actor. I was shocked. I was shocked at how good she was. At you acting. should watch some of the films that she did with me in high school. Cause, uh, 
She's not very good at nose, but it's uh, it's really interesting. She's gotten better. Yeah, I I I I enjoy acting if I'm not responsible for any other part of the process, because the second that I have to start doing something, I I I'm not good. Like half bath was the best thing I think I've ever acted. In. You're really good in half bath. Yeah, thank you. But it's because I didn't do anything besides I was talent. This is a funny story, actually. Um, but to, to respond hey, to Reese, that... Hold on. Reese put his finger up and stopped me from talking <laughs> so that he could tell me this story. I was I was talking to my cousin or something, and, uh, and she had just watched Half Bath. And she sent me a text, and she was like, this lead actor, this, <laughs> this lead is amazing. They're going places. Like, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, Olivia's really great. Like, I love... And she was like, she's like, no, I... I meant Sam, the guy. <laughs> and I was like, oh what? my gosh, Olivia is like doing it in New York. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, yeah, Olivia is great. She's like, you know, do a theater and blah, blah, blah. And then she was talking about you. So, wow. yeah. That's a compliment. Yeah. <laughs> it was a compliment. And I didn't see it coming. No, you were like, I, I respect the fact that you went towards Olivia. That you were like, yeah, Olivia is great. Because <laughs> she was. But no, you were good. It was, it was fun to direct you too. Because, I mean... Yeah, that was that was a fun and very challenging nine days. Directing people that understand directing is huge, in my opinion. Directing actors that directing actors that don't know about the filmmaking process is always hard. They usually can pick it up, but that's like that's the advice that I would give to any talent is like take a directing class. Any directors, take an acting class. Yeah, that's, you that's, gotta that's know similar. both sides. You have to. And that's what I'm trying to learn. I'm trying to learn more about acting. Yeah, yeah just thinking how they think. That's he, <laughs> my um, my girlfriend's dad uh, does a lot of auditioning. He wants to break, he wants to start doing a lot more acting. And uh, one of the directions that he was given during a during a casting call was okay, all right. That was great. It, this was for like a zombie movie. Um. So we want you to look at her, like as if you really want to eat her. And like I look, I, I looked at him, and, and I was like, "That's you. Dire- that direction has you've never felt that way in your life that you've wanted to eat a person, unless you're a cannibal. Yeah, unless you're unless you're actually a cannibal, you can't play off of that direction. Um, and that's that's like obviously this is a huge spectrum but that's what separates someone who understands directing and who doesn't understand directing like little things like that and you got to know all of it you got to like have uh, you, you know what that's just me thinking as a director i think and that's probably how you think too like as a director you want to know all aspects of production and like luckily you do because you've you've been doing cobblestone as a web series you've been doing sound you've been doing camera you've been directing you've been acting you've been editing you've been doing sound design you've been scoring it like picking out music and stuff if you don't know all of it how can you communicate that that to the people that are working underneath you you know how, how can you communicate that to the people that are in that creative process with you and not to name drop david fincher again but honestly the biggest lesson i've learned from watching him direct is that and you know, you can hear this from any, yeah, anyone that he, he has ever worked with him. He literally knows how to do everyone's job better than they do. Yeah. It's incredible. It's so incredible to watch. I, I can't quote him or try to like replicate how he does it, but like watching him, there there were a lot of times on, on this season when he was directing second unit stuff. The DP, 
um, you know, was on was on the main unit. And so Fincher acted as the DP. He had a gaffer and he had camera wow. operators. But he <clears throat> he would sit at the monitor and say like, you know, tilt camera C down like four degrees, like boost up that light by fucking whatever thirteen Kelvin. I don't know, you know. But he would just just by looking at the monitor could even like set deck. He was like, we need to we need to get someone in here and move this this piece of of set deck over three inches to the right and it's just like and he shoots them off so quickly it's fascinating to watch and it was such a big thing to to learn like you have to know what everyone does and if they weren't there you have to be able to do that you have to be able to step in yeah but it's like obviously if you have talented people whose sole focus is that then it creates a beautiful thing but yeah that's a that's a great lesson I can't wait to learn more stuff like that because, <laughs> like, I wouldn't know to tell a cameraman to, to tilt it four degrees. I would not know that. No, so, I have a lot to learn. Yeah, we all that do. That's the best. best part. That is the best part of filmmaking. And that's, like, the biggest thing. That's the whole reason, like, right now, like, what I mainly do is motion graphics and editing. And I remember uh, the thing that I always tell people about why I'm attracted to motion graphics and After Effects and really, like, visual effects and motion graphics as a whole, not just after effects is that I, I have seen the ability to get better. And that is the only program that I've ever seen in my life that I could see myself getting better and that I can continue to grow at. And that's the exact same thing for directing. Like I, every time I do it, there's something new that I learned. There's something, something new that I learned about myself as far as a director goes that I didn't know before. And that's why that specifically those two things are the most attractive things in the world uh, to me. Yeah, well, I've learned a lot yeah, just yeah. from uh, hearing you talk about it, man. I'm ha- I I enjoy talking about it. So can't wait to see you on Cobblestone Four, buddy. I'm excited for Cobblestone. 4. It's gonna be a good one. Yeah. <laughs> All right, and uh, that's that.